What is going on, NFL fans? It is time for another edition of Locked On NFL. We're here to talk about Tyron Matthew returning to New Orleans, joining the New Orleans Saints. What does that mean for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? We'll also take a look at DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games. Is Marquise Brown enough to keep the Cardinals afloat for the beginning of the season? And winners and losers of this year's NFL draft, including some quarterbacks that might see their days numbered. We got all that and more coming up for you on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we are here for another episode of Locked On NFL. It is Tuesday, today, you got myself, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola, the daily host of Locked On Saints, along with my good friend, my good buddy, my good pal, David Harrison of Locked On Bucks at dharrison82 on Twitter. It is Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well, which is where we are live right now. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us, whether you're catching us live or you're catching us later. Don't forget, we're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here with you five days a week, giving you all the biggest stories around the NFL. And David, I am so excited to talk to you in particular about Mm -hmm. the big move from today. There have been two yeah. big moves. One guy's going home for a good reason. Another guy has to stay home because he's not allowed to play the first games of the season. We'll talk about the second guy in a little bit. But Tyron Matthew returning to New Orleans, which is where yeah. he is from, and joining the New Orleans Saints. First of all, looking at this from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers perspective within the NFC South, Tom Brady, who has struggled against New Orleans Saints defense. Now they add Tyron Matthew. The Bucs trying to get back to the Super Bowl. How does this impact a guy like Tom Brady in the division? Uh, I think it just it just makes the road back to the Super Bowl just a little bit harder, but I think they're, they're still going to be able to get there. Um, unfortunately for the Saints defense, I don't think Tyron Matthew necessarily represents a trump card, but I mean, mm-hmm. look, you know, it, it could be another season where Saints fans get to kind of toot the horn and say, you know, you might have won the division, you might have been in the playoffs and all this other stuff, but, you know, the, the Saints kind of embarrassed you maybe in your home stadium, maybe on the road and all those things. And listen, in, in rivalries – uh, I mean, my mistake, the Saints and Bucks are not rivals. I, I forgot about that. But yes. in rivalries anyway, um, you know, the, the, the trash talking ability and the bragging rights mean something, uh, you know, within the fan bases. At the end of the day, I don't think Tom Brady really cares uh, whether or not he loses to the Saints two or three times as long as that third time doesn't come to the playoffs, which isn't possible. Um, sure. Obviously, I mean, it makes the Saints defense better and more dynamic. And, and you're right. The Buccaneers offense has struggled against the Saints defense pre-Brady. This isn't a Brady phenomenon. This is a Buccaneers versus Saints phenomenon. <laughs> New Orleans Saints just seem to have their number. And even though Sean Payton is gone, you know, it, it's similar to the Bruce Arian situation, except Bruce is still in the building. But the, the regimes are essentially like, it's still in the family, right? The kingdom did not get sold and, and, and pushed off somewhere else. It's still within the family. So those those situations will probably continue to rise. But I mean. Tyra Matthew, I, I think just just the energy I think that he's going to bring in 2022 being back home, being a NOLA, being a Saint is is going to be worth worth the price of admission, I think. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible story, right? I mean, to grow up in New Orleans, to play college football at Baton Rouge and yeah. go on to have this extraordinary NFL career, three-time first-team All-Pro, four-time All-Pro as a whole if you count second-team, three-time Pro Bowler, to return home to New Orleans and the next time that Tyron Matthew will take the field to be for the hometown team that he rooted for, it's just a really cool story, right? Like it's a right. fantastic narrative off the field, but what he brings to the Saints on the field I think is really important too because they lost a big piece this offseason when Malcolm Jenkins retired. Yeah that 
uh, vocal presence, that uh, cultural leader, the excellent communicator that he is on the field. Tyron Matthew kind of checks all those boxes as well, but also gives you a lot of versatility over on the defensive side. And there were a couple of teams that Tyron Matthew was involved in. I know uh, the Rams were very much in on the idea of bringing him in, though it didn't seem like that necessarily got reciprocated. The uh, Philadelphia Eagles brought him in for a uh, a virtual visit. So he went and he toured the New Orleans Saints facility because he pretty much spent the entire offseason in Louisiana. He was with LSU. He was in New Orleans with his family, everything like that. And so, you know, he just casually stopped by the facility someday. And I'll tell you what, he wasn't just picking up a cup of sugar. Like they were talking about stuff. Like that, that, that there were there was some going down already, so we kind of already knew it. But to see the signing happen, I think that it, it it does. Here's the thing that I really like about it, and this is just for like the the general NFL fan. It makes the NFC South a way more interesting division than it was starting to shape up as at the beginning of this uh, at at the beginning of this offseason. Yeah, that's really true. And and you know, uh, you talk about teams that are, that are potentially interested in Tyre Matthews services. I mean. I don't know that there was ever actually any legs to it, but I know pretty much every Bucks media outlet uh, mm-hmm. and a bunch of Buccaneers fans wanted to see Tyron Matthew. I mean, you know, you lose Jordan Whitehead to the New York Jets. Tyron doesn't really bring what Jordan uh, was supposed to bring. Not really the same style of safety. And you already have Antoine Winfield Jr. and Mike Edwards. Uh, and then the team brought in Logan Ryan. And then once they brought in Keanu Neal, you kind of knew, okay, that deal is is probably yeah. not going to happen. But I mean, you, have the, you always have the connection, right? Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles. Uh, the coaching staff that was by and large part of that. Jason Light, I think, might have been in Arizona when Tyron uh, was there as well. But like Tyron comes into the NFL, like you said, out of LSU, gets that quote unquote second chance. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird, honestly, Ross, because you look at why he needed that second chance in the first place and like transplant right. that to today's world. And I mean, Tyron, like when Tyron came out of LSU, he was almost like you know public enemy number one. Right. For some of the things he had done, you transplant to twenty twenty two, and it's. Like maybe he slides a couple picks in the first round. You know what I mean? Um, So it's just interesting to see how the dynamics change. But I mean, from from a pure football standpoint, I I just I don't know how you can't be happy to see a guy like Tyron. I mean, again, before the draft, you know, the the, the visit was made and you just kind of tell like if they were going to make it happen or if there was a chance to make it happen, they were going to make it happen. Tyron even said uh, himself would love to do it, but don't think they necessarily need me. And then they come out of the draft without uh, that free safety type, that honey badger type of player mm-hmm. that you really want in that secondary is just kind of a matter of time. I don't, I think the writing was, has been on the wall. But again, um, outside of being a Buccaneers fan, maybe, or a Falcons or Panthers fan, you know, you're going to hate to see it, obviously. But as a pure football fan, you have to love, you know, Tyron going back home. Yeah. I'll tell you what else I think pure football fans will love about this too, David, is that he waited until after the compensatory free agent yeah. series or, 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 or period. Uh, to sign the contract. Now, it didn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily do anything for the Saints because they weren't really in line with compensatory free agents. If you're not, if you're not familiar with the compensatory free agent, compensatory pick thing, basically the way that it works is that when a team loses a free agent because their contract expired. So if they get released, cut, waived, it doesn't count. But if their contract expires and that player goes and signs somewhere else, depending upon the sort of yearly kind of average annual value of that contract, it could put a team in line to receive the compensatory draft selections that you see at the end of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds of the NFL draft. So for the Saints, they're not really in line for any 2023 compensatory selections, but they signed Tyron Matthew to a three-year, $33 million deal. That's an average of $11 million per year, $18 million fully guaranteed, by the way. So this is an actual three-year contract, not just a uh, one-year contract masquerading as a three-year contract. But because Tyron Matthew waited to sign this contract until the Monday after the draft, the Chiefs, who left him, quote-unquote, heartbroken when they didn't offer him a contract, they don't get a compensatory selection for that. And they would have been in line for a third-round selection for that one. 
Yeah, which we all love because nobody needs to help the Kansas City Chiefs anymore than they already have. <laughs> and if uh, if you put ketchup on your steak, this is what you get. Your your key that's free right. agents don't sign until after the period's over. That's that's right. That's how this you works. ketchup loving Kansas City folks, you did it to yourselves. You do a TikTok about it. <laughs> all right, y'all. Coming up here, in just a moment. We'll get to DeAndre Hopkins. He's staying home at the beginning of the season for for entirely different reasons than Tyron Matthew. We'll break it down and what it means for the Cardinals uh, here in just a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Kyler Murray very quickly going from a winner over the weekend, getting his buddy Hollywood back on the team to becoming kind of a loser over the weekend, losing DeAndre Hopkins. So if you have money on either of those things happen, you're a very rich person. But those probably weren't props that you could find. But you can find plenty of other props over with BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action happening at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, y'all, continuing on with today's episode of Locked On NFL. Thanks again for making us your first listen of the day every day as we cover all the biggest stories around the league every Monday through Friday. You've got David Harrison at D. Harrison 82 standing in for Luke Braun today. Luke Braun taking a much needed break after a very, very busy draft weekend. Ross Jackson here with you as well, host of Locked On Saints. So, David, um, we wanted to talk. We talked a bit about Tyron Matthew returning to New Orleans. Now, let's go to another part of the NFC, the NFC West, and take a look at the Arizona Cardinals. They've had a little bit of a rough weekend. A little bit. Arizona Cardinals fans. And the biggest piece now, right, we're already going to kind of come into this and talk a little bit about the draft. We'll get to winners and losers of the draft here in a little bit. But we kind of have to start breaking into that territory already because the draft weekend was just kind of a huge mess for the Arizona Cardinals. They end up uh, trading out of the first round. They they bring in Marquise Hollywood Brown for the Ravens. That's nice, I suppose. But then now you have DeAndre Hopkins, who because of the league substance abuse policy, is suspended for the first six games of the season. That is a huge hit for the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll be honest, I don't know if Marquise Hollywood Brown is really enough for you to be able to close the gap in terms of what you lose with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, it's absolutely not in in no way, shape, or form. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I think – what three years ago probably would have made made a very strong argument that he was the best all around wide receiver in the National Football League. I don't Absolutely. know that he's that anymore, but like you just said, still one of the best. And mm-hmm. and certainly, I think you know, you look around the NFC West, and you could probably say that he's probably one of the one of the top receivers, if not the top receiver in the division. And you're going to lose him. And you're going to bring in Hollywood Brown, and and Hollywood is a guy that. You know, his skill set, I think, was probably kind of uh, held back a little bit there during his time with the Baltimore Ravens, which, you know, kind of leads into why he wanted out and and all these other things. And I get all that, but his skill set still is kind of what it was when he was coming out of college. And and he's just he's just a very dynamic, very explosive receiver. But outside of just that explosiveness, there's not a whole lot of grit and grind in there that you can you can necessarily can, uh, rely on him for the way you can at DeAndre Hopkins. Not saying you can't do it at all, but the way a DeAndre Hopkins does it, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, by the time he gets to that part of the first round and uh, I don't, I don't know how long, you know, I know, uh, I guess Hollywood had said he had, he had to keep the trade a secret for, for a little while from Kyler. Yeah. So I guess, well, he know, showed the, up at the Cardinals draft party. So he knew something. Right, right. Exactly. So it wasn't <laughs> even necessarily how the board went down, but I mean, you right. look at some of the wide receivers on the board, you could, or in the draft, you could kind of make the case for Arizona, maybe eyeing one of those guys. But again, if Hollywood is in, Arizona. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say that they were waiting to see how the board developed. This was this was a right. done deal uh, far before we knew about it. But yeah, I mean, 
you know, run fast, throw the ball as hard as you can and see what happens, I suppose. But the Arizona Cardinals are facing the second toughest strength of schedule in the 2022 NFL season. And I know that's a little bit, you know, pliable because teams get better, teams get worse and all that. But when you're a team who is facing a, a plus 500 uh, schedule ahead of you from last season, 2021 teams, and now you've gotten worse and you already have a quarterback that's disgruntled and you know that never is is a healthy environment for a coach and a coordinator and a quarterback to thrive in. I, I mean, it's just a lot of bad. And by the time DeAndre comes back, I mean, I don't, they won't be out of it, obviously, but they could be on the brink of being out of the playoff race. Yeah, it's definitely a situation in which the 17th game actually helps you a little bit, right? Because you're probably, uh-huh. you know, and, and maybe they luck out and they get an early bye week as well, which could help uh-huh. them out. You don't usually hope for those, but in this situation, maybe you do. Right. And so I, I, there's, there's some ways that this kind of gets lessened in terms of the impact of it, but. Man, it's rough. It's got to be really rough because you've you've already dealt with so much just within the locker room of this team or just within the organization of this team, right? Yeah. The Cliff Kingsbury, Steve uh, Steve Kime, they they're both getting extensions, but ha- do they do they deserve them? We don't know. Alex Clancy, locked on Cardinals, would certainly say they don't. You look right. at all of the turmoil going on around Kyler Murray and the quarterback. He he wants the extension and and all these other pieces. And then you know from that, then you also start to hear more about you know some of the them being sort of implicated in this um in uh Brian Flores's lawsuit and everything and so like there's just all of these pieces over the course of the offseason that are just kind of battering Arizona meanwhile the Los Angeles Rams defense is really good yeah. the San Francisco 49ers defense is really good the Seattle Seahawks defense can be good i mean adding Tariq Woolen adding the pieces that they've added right. i think that they can be they can get there and so i, I just I look at the way that the rest of the NFC South is getting stronger, and I kind of feel like the Arizona Cardinals, whether it's because of their offseason moves, offseason decisions, or if it's just sort of circumstances around them, I feel like they're kind of walking in the opposite direction in a way. Is that unfair to say? No, I I agree with you wholly. I think that, you know, it's a situation where the Arizona Cardinals were kind of on the brink of becoming maybe the next dominant team in that that division and being able to kind of take control of it. And now... All of a sudden, I mean, you know, if I'm power ranking them today or ranking them off of what I see today, I barely have them ahead of the Seattle Seahawks. And that's only because Russell Wilson isn't there. If Russell Wilson is there. I probably have Arizona as, as the fourth, you know, the fourth team in that in that division that I'm afraid of, I guess, if you want to put it in the, in that type of terms. And that's it kind of speaks to maybe a little bit of why Kyler wants uh, what he wants and maybe what kind of why he's trying to put the pressure on them because he kind of sees the writing on the wall. But I don't know this this Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray experiment. I wasn't necessarily a supporter of it in the first place. Um, it's gone better than I expected it to. I think a lot of that has to do with some of the players they brought in. Uh, Hopkins, obviously, AJ Green, uh, stuff like that. But I think now you're kind of starting to see that the clock is, it may not be midnight, but it's like 1151 and, and it's, it's steadily moving forward. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. If we were to talk about like the Arizona card is having all of their weapons, right? Starting off the season at the very beginning, starting it right off with Kyler Murray and, you know, uh, and DeAndre Hopkins, as well as Marquise Brown, like adding Marquise Brown to the formula as opposed to relying on Marquise Brown. Then I feel like we could be talking about this team as one that can make some noise, particularly in a weak NFC conference, right? There's, there's kind of the, 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 the Rams and the Bucks that are kind of at the top of the conference. The Green Bay Packers are in there. I think the New Orleans Saints are getting close to being there. San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys. But then outside of that, like when you start to get to the wild card conversations, like Arizona is kind of near the top of that list if they have all their pieces and if they can get everything right. But they have to be able to get the talent on the field. And it just seems like year after year after year for them, for one reason or another, something shortcuts them. 
Something kind of kneecaps their situation. And this year, it's a six-game suspension to open up the season to their star wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. We get the schedule release in a couple of – in like a week, two weeks, week and a half. And so we'll get a better idea of sort of what their first six games look like. Like you said, second toughest strength of schedule in the NFL. So we'll see what the maybe the the front half is a little bit lighter. That's where Cliff Kingsbury is really good, by the way, is at the beginning of the season. It's usually people kind of find him out throughout the year. So maybe they're able to pick it up a little bit there, but they're going to need the hot start. And maybe when they have all the pieces where maybe we're playing a little bit of a different tune around the Cardinals midseason. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the good thing about this, right? From a long-term perspective, you know, it's, you don't want it ever. Obviously you don't want to lose DeAndre Hopkins for any period of time ever, but I mean, honestly, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it in the beginning, right? You'd rather him miss September, October football than November, December, especially January football. So at least from that standpoint, and look, we'll, we'll get to know, you know, every year there's scandal and there's, there's accusations on the, on the fix being in. Uh, But if, if, if the, if the Arizona Cardinals don't face the Rams at all in the first six weeks, they got they got a big favor from uh, from Mr. Goodell. And yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about losers from the weekend, but also some winners. But uh, I want to highlight a couple of quarterbacks whose uh, heads might need to be on a swivel after the uh, the the weekend here in the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, Ross, with gas prices going the way they are, everybody's heads need to be on swivels for deals when it comes to maintaining your automobile, uh, because anywhere you can save any pennies towards maintaining your vehicle, the better off you'll be. And you can do so with our friends over at rockauto.com, because with the ever number, ever increasing numbers of makes and models of vehicles, it's literally impossible for your chain auto parts store or your dealership to stock all the parts you're ever going to need. You're going to need a part. You're going to go there. They're going to get on their computer. They're going to clickety-clack, find what's in their warehouse because they're either paid to hold all that or they get deals and discounts that they don't pass down to you necessarily all the time. And that's what they're going to sell you, take it or leave it. Why would you spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts at a dealership or auto parts store that you can get for rockauto.com from a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for every customer so head over to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck make sure you write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com all right y'all wrapping up today's episode of locked on nfl and a big shout out to the entire nfl channel for some incredible weekend long draft coverage three days seven rounds just some phenomenal stuff all throughout the weekend so absolutely loved we were able to put together you can find all that on the lockdown nfl youtube page you could also see david harrison and i's bright shiny faces when i say bright and shiny for me i really mean it because i am i'm an oily oily person so when i say bright I and shiny it. i mean bright you're going on too you got a little bit <laughs> so you can come and check us out over at the lockdown nfl youtube page as well david harrison standing in for our good friend luke braun who is um uh, i imagine are there beaches in minnesota i know well i, I hope know. so because i don't know what else there is in minnesota if there's not I don't know. <laughs> Uh, there's something there. There's the Vikings and then maybe a beach. Uh, all okay. right. So I want to talk a little bit about winners and losers for the NFL draft. But David, I, I want to do it a little bit differently, right? Like we'll talk about a couple of winner and loser teams, but let's do let's do a little local stuff real quick, pretty quickly. They, out of the the Bucks draft class, Tampa Buccaneers, mm-hmm. who you cover on a daily basis, as well as the the, the Commanders, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. David pulling triple duty over here on the network. Incredible. <laughs> um, is there one player that you feel like is just the perfect fit for either of those teams? Like one player that's a winner because of where they were drafted? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Logan Hall for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's oh, it's the number one pick that they made, so it's kind of low hanging fruit. But I think it's a really good pick. Uh, and there's there's some you know speculation that maybe they were eyeing him in the first round. Instead, they move out of twenty seven, move into uh, the very first pick of the second round, and net some more uh, draft capital down the road. And they still get their guy. I think you know he's been kind of compared to like a more athletic William Golston. And if you're kind of mm-hmm. saying who from a Super Bowl roster, who's Will Golston? <laughs> he's the other DN that plays on the other side from Indominus Sue, a very underrated player who's been there for a very long time, doesn't get near the credit that he deserves. But I think Logan Hall kind of brings a little bit of combination of some power, but also some ability to get to the to the quarterback, hopefully. And that's something that Jason Light mentioned at the scouting combine is he wanted to get a better pass rush from their down linemen to help guys like Shaq Barrett and then Joe Tryon Schwenka who's coming into his second year here, uh, the first-round pick from last year. And I think Logan Hall is really going to be able to help them do that. Uh, for for the Washington Commanders, honestly, it's Brian Robinson Jr., the third-round pick, oh, uh, running back pick. out of Alabama. Yeah, And a lot of people are kind of like, what do you have, fifth-round grades from a lot of these experts? Uh, look, expert grades are expert grades, and I'm not saying that those guys don't know what they're talking about, but the bottom line is the Washington Commanders, when they let Peyton Barber walk out the door, they lost a lot of thump and a lot of power between the tackles. Antonio yeah. Gibson has a little bit, but he also has a fumble problem. He was one of the most, uh, the highest fumbling running backs in the NFL last year, and that was very quietly kind of covered up because Taylor Heineke was was doing his best Jameis Winston impression for most of the season. <laughs> his but best Brian, 2019 Jameis Winston impression. Yes, 2019. Thank you very much. I still love Jameis, by the way. That's not a <laughs> shot. I love the guy. Don't don't take that for any more than it has to be. <laughs> But Brian Robinson Jr. brings a dynamic to this running back group that I think Scott Turner is going to be able to use very, very well to to hopefully pound the ball a little bit more when they have a lead, if they have a lead. And that takes the ball a little bit out of Carson Wentz's hands, takes some pressure off the quarterback. And we all know the less pressure on your quarterback, the better off your team is doing because it means you're winning games. Yeah, and I think we all know that the uh, less the ball is in Carson Wentz's hands, the less mistakes happen. So that's also yes. pretty good too. Um, no, I, I love Logan Hall, man. I thought that was such a good selection. Guys, six foot six, two hundred eighty three pounds, ran a four eight eight forty, and jumped thirty inches in the air. I don't know if I can jump twenty inches. In the that's air. scary. Have you seen that meme of the lion jumping out of the tree, like flying <laughs> lion? I don't, I don't know the whole joke of the meme, but there's this meme about lions that can fly and uh-huh. guys like Logan Hall are just like that's the human equivalent of of a of a creature. Yeah, it's I love. I love the the two straight years of double dipping into Houston Cougars too, because yeah. Grant Stewart was one of our favorite guys at the Senior Bowl last year yeah. and stuff. And so it's really cool to see those guys get back together. Um, easy one for me when I look at the Saints in terms of local perspective here and looking at like the best fit, the biggest winner because of where he was drafted is Chris Olave. I mean, we've been yeah. you and I have been talking about that for years now. I when called, we thought he was coming know, out last year. I called Dibs Ross. I called. I know dibs you on called him. Dibs. I know you called you dibs, but... disrespected it all off season. <laughs> the Saints disrespected it at the draft. I don't understand what's wrong with you guys. I mean. <laughs> It's like Nola doesn't understand the dibs system. I, I think you might need to talk to one of the teams you cover because they're the ones that made it possible, right? They took they took the draft picks. Washington, on. yeah, right. literally gave the Saints the pick to come up and get the guys. So, yeah. You might be mad at you need to be mad at yourself for a second. No, um, no, I, I just I love the fit. I think his his ability to work inside and outside he adds another dynamic, another dimension to the Saints offense. The the downfield shot, the the the, the complementary piece across from Michael Thomas, but that also gives the deep threat to Jameis Winston that he has been so um, yeah. That hasn't really been in New Orleans maybe since Brandon Cooks in 2014. Like it, it just works extremely well. So uh, I look forward to it. And I know that there have already been some experts say that he's probably gonna have the best season of all the wide receivers in this year's class. I I'm not mad at it. Um, but he's I still think Garrett Wilson is really good. Honestly. But he's got the quarterback to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about teams, right? Do you have a winner and a loser for this year's NFL draft? 
Yeah, so my loser team, I mean, again, there's some there's some some low-hanging fruit here. I'm going to go New England Patriots, and it's not just Cole yeah. Strange. It's how strange the entire trip was. <laughs> Honestly, like, like Tyquan Horton, like, no disrespect to any of these young men, right? But there's just there's better options out there. And I know, you know, evaluations are on the eye beholder. But let's, let's be really honest here. Bill Belichick's evaluation process doesn't have the greatest track record in the world. So some of us out here might actually have a better evaluation process than Bill Belichick does. Um, I know that yeah, might you hear be hard that, Bill? Marcus yeah. Jones, look, I like Marcus Jones. He's super small, super like like he's gonna get pushed yeah. around the field, you know, return guy. And then you follow it up with Jack Jones. And and look, I'm a Sun Devil, like ASU. I love ASU. I'm uh, I'm an alumni. Like no, like no, just just don't do it. Pierre Strong, he's my favorite player that the Patriots selected. But again, I just don't know that he brings anything to the team that's gonna help Mac Jones, who is not a dynamic enough quarterback by himself to really elevate the roster. Like he needs the ships around him or the tide mm-hmm. around him to raise all the ships. And I just look at this class and I think, all right, Mac, well, you know, year two, prove it again, I suppose. Like, you know, prove that you're underrated. And in an AFC, that is just full of, of knockout hitters right now. So, I mean, right. it's, the Patriots class just confuses me. Yeah, yeah. The Patriots were an easy, easy loser for me as well. Um, I, I just, I, I look at the way that they've gone about some of their recent draft classes. It wasn't that long ago, just a couple of years ago that they went like back to back at tight end, Devin Asiasi, and then another tight end. Back to back. Like they've just made some really curious decisions over and over and over yeah. again in the NFL draft. And it just doesn't seem to be getting any better over there, but then, you know, then they're, they're the Patriots and they, they, they win yeah, anyway. I mean, you know what I mean? The coaching outdoes the drafting, I guess. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's a weird dynamic going on there. Yeah. I feel like the Patriots have like, instead of going out and finding players that are the best at their position, that have the best talent, and then molding the offense or defense around the players, I feel like they're a team that you walk in, they hand you a binder that says RB3 on it, and they say, <laughs> okay, here's your responsibilities. Basically. You know what I mean? And then you yeah. just go out and they find the, like, I, I don't want to call them, I don't mean cookie cutter as in, like, replicable and stale. I just mean cookie cutter as in, like, they fit, right? They get the square pegs for their square holes. Like that's yeah. just what they do. And I feel like they just don't care about anybody else's like draft evaluation or anything like that. They're like, if we can get the guy that fits and does the thing that we want them to do at this position, that's who we're going to get. Uh, what about a winner for you? A uh, winner from a team standpoint. Um, I hate to say the Philadelphia Eagles just because Washington <laughs> Commanders stands are, are really right. going to hate me, but I'm going to go the New York Jets. Easily nice. my favorite draft class of all 32 NFL teams. And I know I get it. Like Chris Russell already told me, well, with picking as high as they are, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of an easy thing to do. And it is, but look, they're got to get it right. I mean, Cole Strange was first round draft pick. Right? Like, <laughs> it's not, not trying to kick a dead horse here, but like Sauce Gardner, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's a no duh pick. Okay, but you still got to turn in the card. Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, the second, like Jermaine yep. Johnson, where they got him, especially Brees Hall, the number one running back to a lot of people. Jeremy Ruckert uh, out of Ohio State was was not necessarily the top tight end, uh, but he was zone, definitely baby. kind of up there. I mean, mm-hmm. the the class is just beautiful. And and, and honestly, it's going to force me to buy a Madden 23, which I'm really angry about because I want to play <laughs> with this roster. To be <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And then they they pull off the trade, right? And everything yeah. to bring in AJ, like all this is everything. Everything worked. Uh, oh, no, that was the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sorry, the Eagles. Uh, I'm AJ Brown. Them, yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You don't want to give them credit. You don't want to give them credit. So we, we, we'll, 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 no. we'll dance around that. But they did, uh, they uh, did pretty well for you. They did. They did do it. <laughs> uh, shout out to uh, Gino and Louie over at Locked on Eagles. Louie yeah. DiBiase. Um, <laughs> so for me, a winner, and I feel like they're a winner every year when it comes to the NFL draft. They just draft so ridiculously well. The Baltimore Ravens, man. 
Yeah. I, how do they, they do this every year and I don't understand. You sit there at 14 and you walk away with the best, who many people thought might have been the best player in the draft, period, yeah. regardless yeah. of position, the best overall player in Kyle Hamilton. Then they end up getting back into the first with pick 25, which was the part of that whole um, uh, Marquise Brown uh, trade. And yeah. you get Tyler Linderbaum there, who is a Raven. Yep, absolutely. The, oh, yeah. The, dude, the dude's a raven, right? Yeah. And then in the second round, you, at pick 13, in the second round, you're able to grab David Ajabo, who's a phenomenal edge rusher, had that really unfortunate injury at his pro day. I hate that for him because yep. he tumbled all the way out of the first round because of that. But when he's back on the field, specifically because we the, uh, it was a knee injury, I believe it was an Achilles injury, actually, mm-hmm. but he had the leg injury. Yeah. yeah. And so because of that, We've seen players over and over again now come back very strong from Achilles injuries. Achilles injuries aren't the injuries they used to be anymore at all. And so I think he's going to come back. He's going to be a huge piece for that defense. They had Travis Jones. Then in the fourth – I'm in the fourth round talking about players that they got that are going to be outstanding. They get Daniel Fa'alele who is massive. He is now the NFL's biggest player. (laughs) He is the biggest player in the NFL. Near near 400-pound man who, again, is a Baltimore Raven just throwing people out the club. Yep. Everything. I, I love their draft class. And then they rounded it out with some really great uh, people. I mean, they had, what, an 11-person draft class in this? Yeah, I mean, they've they got a lot of picks. And I mean, and then in Jalen Armour Davis, Isaiah Likely, right. like Isaiah Likely Isaiah for speeding tight end is, is going to be, he's not, you know, Kyle Pitts, but he's 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 that type of a type of uh, prospect, you know, from yeah. a stylistic standpoint. And uh, I mean, Lamar's got to throw it to somebody. So might as well yeah, likely. And and Charlie Collar's in that in that draft class too. He's another guy that's a young athletic tight end. Yeah. This draft class was so good, so good. They yeah. were able to take a pause for just a moment in round four, where they had six selections and say, let's grab a punter. Why not? Yeah. And still walk away with a very, very good uh draft class. However, one of my losers, not from a team perspective, is we'll close on this. A lot of quarterback losers yep. in this draft. And one of which was Lamar Jackson yes. losing Hollywood Brown, them not adding another wide receiver in this draft class at yeah. all to replace it, which shout out to them for not creating a need only to fill it like Tennessee had to do, right. who lost A.J. Brown and then replaced him with another A.J. Brown, basically, right? With Traylon Burks. Yeah. With less experience and less polish. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and so uh, shout out to them for not like rushing to do that. But I, Lamar Jackson was definitely a loser in this draft. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson is getting set up. Like to to be, to, I I don't know it's that it's heist. happening. It's definitely a conspiracy. <laughs> but I mean, you look at what the Baltimore Ravens are doing. They're like, oh, Lamar, your contract's about to expire. Oh, Deshaun Watson just got fat paid. Guess what? You're about to have a really bad season, bro. Sorry, and we're probably not going to pay you that much in November, December yeah. when it comes time to open this contract. I mean, I I don't know if Lamar is being set up, but it's certainly like they're basically taking away every weapon he has, uh, and he didn't have that many to begin with. Um, right. Another loser. I mean, Ryan Sandhill is obviously a loser yes. too. But I'm going Justin Fields. I'm going quarterback Justin Fields, Chicago Bears. I mean, I don't know that he was dra- he was he, he was drafted into a very bad situation already, and then they lose uh, some weapons. And and the Bears, I mean, from a from a an vacuum, not a not a terrible class, right? But they're the 2022 Green Bay Packers. Like the Packers draft two wide receivers, and the Bears are just like Justin. Good luck with Darnell Mooney, who's who's really good, but <laughs> yeah, Darnell Mooney with Byron Pringle and Velas Jones, like that's that's not a wide receiver group that you. I mean, the best thing the Bears did for their quarterback. It signed Master Teague as an undrafted free agent. I think right. 
Justin Fields, Ross, in in 2023, uh, I think we're talking about Justin Fields and, and seeing how much draft capital the Bears can get by trading their former first round pick. Yeah, it's going to be pretty insane to see how that whole thing unfolds. Uh, I, I just want to highlight Ryan Tannehill, who you mentioned, um, the Tennessee Titans trading away A.J. Brown, getting a less polished version of A.J. Brown, as we mentioned in Traylon Burks, but then getting Malik Willis in the third round, a guy who was assumed to be a top 10 selection, the best quarterback in this draft class, who was the third quarterback off the board. Yeah. After uh, Ritter. Third, yeah. After third, fourth. After third. Ritter and Pickett. Yep. And so it's, it, I mean, you know, you're just looking at Ryan Tannehill now and you're saying, all right, buddy, the the grains of sand, they're dropping. Yeah. They're dropping. Basically. They, their little soft rebuild is definitely underway. A couple of other quarterback losers. Baker Mayfield, where is he going? Yep. Seattle? Baker Mayfield's a big loser. Matt Rule's a loser. Matt Rule, Matt like, polish that resume, bro. Like, this is probably yep. it for you, buddy. Yep. Matt Corral? Hmm. We'll see. Yeah. So a lot of weird, a lot of weird situations developing out of the NFL draft. Everything coming out of the NFL draft isn't always, isn't always like, you know, there's a lot of times where you come out of the NFL draft and you go, oh, everybody's an all pro. Everybody's a pro <laughs> bowler. But the way that this impacts players that are already on rosters sometimes can be really, really detrimental. And I think we've seen some examples right. of that. But Absolutely. shout out to our winners that we talked about earlier, Logan Hall. Brian Robinson, Chris Olave, a lot of players ending up in really, really good homes and a lot of teams with really, really fantastic draft halls. 2022 season is going to be a lot of fun and you're going to want to keep up to date with all of it by following along with the Locked On NFL podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. Now make sure you go and check out your favorite local Locked On show as well. David Harrison at dharrison82, Locked On Bucks, Locked On Commanders, myself, Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints at Ross Jackson. We appreciate you so much for joining us for another episode of Locked On NFL. We'll have Tony and James with you tomorrow as we continue our draft breakdowns and taking a look at the upcoming schedule release. So much going on around the NFL. Don't miss a beat by staying locked in on Locked On NFL. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.